the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode 141 of Magic Markets. I've got to say, I've really been enjoying the way we've been doing the shows lately, where we go off and we you know, each pick a global company and we go and do some research into the latest earnings transcript and pick out some interesting points and then bring them to the show and discuss them. It's it's going well. I think the last few shows have been really fun. And it's also quite nice because it keeps us fresh. You know, we go and do the detailed work in Magic Markets Premium. And I think by now, you know, listeners know what the opportunity is there. But we go and do the detailed work. And this is a very nice excuse to just go and refresh our knowledge. And then obviously refresh the knowledge of our listeners as well. Yeah, Ghost, I, I must echo that. I've been having a lot of fun with the new format. I, I also think, and I want, I want to reach out to our, our listeners here, right, in that we've received great feedback from some of you out there. You know, just engage with us. Let us know what's working for you, what's not working for you. We've taken some of that feedback. It's how we've evolved the show into the current format and will continue to evolve so that it remains relevant to you as a listener. So on that basis, Ghost, this week, the two stocks that we're going to be covering, and again, those of you not familiar with the new format, we tend to cover two stocks. I run through three points on one of them. Ghost runs through three points on the other. And we then come down to, you know, how does this stack up to some of the original analysis that we had actually done? What's the current temperature check on the market? Ghost, this week, two interesting companies we've covered previously in Magic Markets Premium as well. One being Lululemon, the other being Alta Beauty. Yeah, absolutely, Mo. I think we've covered Lulu a couple of times in premium, if I'm not mistaken. I think we have recapped the company. Alta Beauty, I think we've covered once. And both very much in the sort of consumer space, right? In the US, uh, you know, Lulu is a phenomenal athleisure business that basically invented, you know, yoga pants and then and then took it mainstream. And Alta Beauty is, a, I suppose, a really, really good makeup and cosmetics and health and beauty business. So, I mean, I'll allude to this in one of my points, but some similarities to something like Clicks in South Africa, but also quite a lot of differences. And uh, which one shall we do first? Shall we jump in with Lululemon? Would you like to go first? I'll jump in with Lululemon. And, and, and the reason is because, Ghost, you've, you've indicated, yes, it's a company we've covered in, in premium before. The first time we covered it was back in April 2022. And I recall at the time it was a company, a stock that you had not heard of. Uh, I had because up here in North America, I was seeing some, some decent inroads being made. I saw some stores being opened. I saw the brand being very visible. And that was in April 2022 when we did our first deep dive into the stock. We then recapped that in December 2022. Now I'm going to quickly unpack this as maybe a bit of a prep in terms of how is the market, how's the stock performed over that time. In April 2022, the stock was around $377. We liked the business, we liked the the growth that was coming through, but we were concerned that the share was trading at fairly lofty valuations and we had highlighted some of the downside risks. It then played out and we actually saw the stock test our support one, support two, and support three levels on the technicals. It actually came through there. It found support around support three, bottomed out around 280, and then we recapped the stock. We covered that recap in December 2022. It had bounced off the support levels we had indicated, and at the time of the recap was around $320 a share. 
very different incidentally to when we had first covered the stock because it was then at the bottom of its trading channel. We at that time landed on a long bias and we actually identified upside targets of around 380, 435 and 485. So for those of you that are actually subscribers, go and check out the historical reports. All the details are in there. At the time, it was trading on a PE of around 31 and a half times, and it had a peg ratio of close to one, close to one time. So it had grown into its valuation compared to when we first covered the stock and at a peg ratio of one and the kind of growth prospects we had seen, the brand growing, we actually liked Lululemon at the time we recapped the stock. So how has that actually played out, Ghost? On the latest results, those were Q2 results, we've seen revenue come through at 18% versus consensus expectations of 16%. That was a reasonable beat. I think the market really liked that. And to unpack that, if you looked at where the growth came from, it was 11% in comparable store sales, and the rest was from growth in new stores. So that's showing you that this is still very firmly a growth story. This led to a beat on adjusted earnings per share. Those came through at 22% versus 18% expected. And all of these results basically meant that the market was quite optimistic on the stock. We saw a very strong reaction. We saw double digit returns come through on the release of the latest earnings. But I don't think it was this beat on revenue or on earnings. I think it was around the guidance. And that's maybe the point I want to land here is that management were actually remarkably upbeat about their guidance. And this is quite remarkable because we've seen discretionary spend come under pressure. But remember, Lululemon is almost a quasi, I wouldn't call it a luxury play, but it's definitely in a very affluent market. And so the interesting point I want to land on here is that it's showing you the resilience of people with higher incomes of that affluent market versus the rest of that consumer discretionary sector. Yeah, resilience indeed. I mean, it's quite interesting while you were talking, I went and charted the price earnings multiples of Lululemon versus Ulta Beauty over five years. And you know, what you see with Lululemon is it got up to these crazy multiples during the pandemic and it's kind of grown into them, but it still sits on a 51x PE roughly and Ulta Beauty in comparison down sort of mid-teens, you know, 16.7x PE. So very interesting to compare the two and to just see them as both as growth companies and they are both growth companies. You know, one piece of feedback we got on Twitter or X was, you know, can you guys always mention the dividend yield? Well, that's very easy in this case because neither of these companies pay a dividend. So the dividend yield is zero. They are both growth stocks and that is what you need to realize that you are buying here. So speaking of what you need to realize about what you're buying, I want to actually cover what Ulta Beauty is. So for South Africans, which I think is the vast majority of people listening to this, this is a bit like clicks, but without the pharmacy. And then you need to imagine that they took their recent acquisition of Sorbet and they've basically integrated it into the stores. So Ulta Beauty has hair salons, they have beauty stuff, but not just the actual products, they also have some of the services. Clix doesn't really have that services side of the business, they focus more on nurses, for example, and the pharmacies. But interestingly enough, Clix actually started out as a health and beauty business, whereas Discam started out as a pharmacy. Ulta's not interested at all in the pharmaceutical side, so amazing to see different approaches here in different markets. But I'm going to hit you with two numbers at Ulta that give me a nice opportunity to impart a little bit of knowledge about these retail categories and how these retailers actually work and how they report. So the first number is that sales this quarter were up 10.1%, but comparable sales were up 8%. Now you've touched on this as well, actually, Mo, which is interesting. And, and you know, for our listeners, we don't tell each other ahead of time what we're going to bring to the podcast. We really don't. 
So net sales growing ahead of comparative sales means the store footprint is growing. And this is because comparable sales is also known as same store sales. And that gives you an idea of how the more mature store footprint is performing. Whereas total sales shows you not just the mature footprint, but also the impact of new stores. Now, part of this at Ulta Beauty is this partnership with Target. They opened 62 Ulta Beauty at Target shops in this quarter alone. And this is a very, very smart way to expand quickly, right? Because you're basically piggybacking off another retailer's footprint. You are doing these store-in-store concepts and it lets you grow quite quickly and in a very capital efficient way with a lot of data already available to you about footfall and everything else. And obviously for the likes of Target, the appeal here or what they would certainly hope is that people come into the store knowing there's an Ulta Beauty store-in-store concept so it's always fun to see these retailers doing that kind of thing it's fun indeed right and i mean it's, it's a point we touched on when we covered lululemon and again may, maybe i jumped the gun here you know for those of you not familiar with lululemon they just sell you really expensive really premium athleisure wear so you know, that's that that's really the, the crux of the business it's just a brand think of nike well they're eating into nike's market share what I want to touch on there, Ghost, is maybe picking up where you, you last left off in terms of the, the store mix. Lululemon was a business that started entrenching yoga studios in their stores. As some of that specialist retail, you've got to bring the footfall into your store. That was very interesting and maybe ties into another point that we had touched on in last week's show when we look at trends like direct to consumer. Because yes, these businesses grow on a retail footprint, but E-commerce is a mega trend and you can't ignore that. So when you look at direct-to-consumer, we've covered some stocks here that have done it really badly. Well, guess what? Lululemon does it really well. Their direct-to-consumer share is currently 40% of their total. But interestingly enough for me, that's actually down from 42%. So it's showing you that, yes, as things have opened up, maybe some of the people who are buying or fulfilling online actually want to go into a Lululemon store. And maybe that's the experiential part coming through, but at 40%, that's still a number that you can't, you know, you can't you can't raise your eyebrow at that because that is respectable. Now, the other point I want to raise here is one on margins, Ghost, because again, we've said, pick where you play in this value chain. Lululemon's margins up at 58.8% gross margins. And that actually rose by 2.3 percentage points. So this showing you that they're not just a premium brand, but they've had the ability to expand their margins, continue to charge their high prices, and consumers are lapping this up. That's very interesting because it really does provide a contrast to some other stocks and other strong brands that we have covered where they haven't had the same kind of momentum come through. Yeah, the one thing that these two companies have in common, right, is strong gross margins, particularly at the likes of Lululemon because apparel has very high margins, or at least it should have very high margins. We actually covered Foot Locker recently. The problem is as a wholesaler, you don't get the margins. So you really get squeezed on both ends. You know, Foot Locker doesn't have its own, you know, high-end brands, unfortunately, for that company. But Lululemon certainly does. Ulta Beauty does not. You know, this yes, they'll have some private label stuff or house brands, but ultimately they are reselling the world's biggest and best cosmetics brands and health brands and the whole story. But it is still a very lucrative place to play. So I'm going to give you another number now and then use it to once again share some retail knowledge if that's all right. And it's operating profit margin of 15.5%. Now, this is the margin after all expenses and it is a lot higher than you will pretty much ever see in a grocery retailer. And that is because health and beauty categories are just really, really lucrative. For whatever reason, the margins are high and this stuff does not go off on the shelf. 
So the supply chain is simpler. It just, for whatever reason, it's like the holy grail of retail. And that's why Clicks and Discam put the dispensaries right at the back of the store. They make you walk down all the aisles to get there. Clicks even gives you a ticket while you wait. And I'm almost convinced that they designed the long queues on purpose. So you're actually forced to wander the aisles just looking for things. Protecting margin is critical for these retailers because they get to enjoy really nice gross margins and obviously that turns into strong operating profit margin. But one point that needs to be raised here around Ulta Beauty is that the promotional environment in 2021 and 2022 was almost non-existent because of supply chain shortages. Now what that simply means in English is they didn't really have to discount their stuff because they could sell it at full price during the pandemic. Things have now gone very much the other way. Promotions are needed because supply has normalized and consumers are under a lot of pressure now, even in the US. So one of the issues that is also impacting margin, not just promotions, is also shrink, which is a huge problem in the US right now. I wrote on it, uh, I think it was last week for the Financial Mail, and they've put fragrance fixtures in over 50% of their stores. They expect to reach 70% by year-end. That basically just means security around their high-end fragrances. But even then, gross margin still remains well ahead of pre-pandemic levels, and so does operating profit margin. So the thing to, I suppose, be careful of here is, you know, if the economy does go south, then margins could well come under pressure. It feels like the business is still winning in a sort of post-pandemic environment, but I'll touch on that for my final point. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because it's, it's almost like this tale of two cities that you're seeing in terms of, you know, where do your retailers play? You know, what kind of markets they have exposure to? Uh, where's the growth coming through? And goes that, that actually ties into my, my last point, I guess, on Lululemon, is that we've touched on the headline growth numbers. We've touched on what the mix looks like in the business. We've touched on the margin. Let's look at regions. You know, if we look at where the growth came through for Lululemon, again, it was when we had introduced this to our listeners uh, back last year, it was a brand that wasn't necessarily as well known globally. So it stands to reason that growth in the US is really quite important. And that came through at around 11%. International growth came through at 52%. So this showing you that they're starting to make decent inroads into global markets. Yes, obviously it will be off a lower base. Those numbers might be inflated. Do you want to hazard a guess in terms of what growth in China was like? Yeah, hit me, hit me, hit me with that. I'm going to throw it at you, Ghost. 61%. Sure. So this showing you how the mix comes through as the brand is successful in its core market in North America to roll that out globally. Now, this doesn't always work in many companies, but in this company seeming to work enough to lead management to issue guidance of growth for the next year of around 19 to 21%. Now that's pretty high if you think about it for an athleisure brand. So how does this all distill down into some of the metrics? And again, some of our listeners have asked us for this. You've already indicated the company doesn't pay a dividend. So this is a growth story, but what are you paying for that growth? If we look at the PE currently around 50 times, that's a lot. The peg ratio at these kind of levels means that it's currently trading at around a two times, maybe even two and a half times level. That's starting to look as though it's in fairly rich territory. Uh, another metric we looked at back when we covered the stock last year was what is the ROE return on equity versus the price to book ratio. And that's currently at around two times, maybe two and a quarter times versus a historic range between one and a half to 3%. So when we look at all of these indicators, it's telling us that Lululemon's probably trading closer to the upper end of its own valuation ranges historically. And that 
should give you some reason to pause. Uh, if we have a quick look at the charts, uh, you know, it's, it's moved towards its upside resistance. It's probably about another 7% to the upside, but we are overbought on the stock and support that's easily around another 15% lower. So the risk reward at current levels isn't great and distills all the way back down to, you know, is this a, is this a company that we like? Yes. Is it a brand that we like? Yes. But what is the price action done? Is that actually priced into the market? And the answer to that is probably a yes as well. Meaning that again, when we first covered it, love the company, looked a little bit rich. Second time, love the company, it was probably priced right. Guess what? We've probably gone full circle. And right now, even if we like the brand, like the business, it's probably not at a level where I'd consider getting in. Yeah, that's super interesting. So I'm going to talk to Alta Beauty's post-pandemic demand as my final point here. And the importance of just being careful of the product mix and how they are making their money right now. So the post-pandemic story in health and beauty is great because people, frankly, just don't want to look prehistoric anymore. Hidden away for months on end, going all weird in lockdown. This post-plague world is full of people just doing normal stuff, right? They're going back to the office, dare I say it, they're going on dates. Humans are vain creatures, and that's good news for Alta. And that's male, female, everyone. We're all vain, a little bit at least. And uh, the services business inside Alta loves this, right? Because you go and sit there and you get your hair cut or whatever it is you want to do. And that delivered double-digit growth. And that's mainly hair salons. It's piercings as well. So inflation helps them there. Makeup, that's only up low single digits though, which is not great. And it's very much been driven by the cheaper brands. So I think the important read-through here for Alta is that all is not well with the US consumer. And I must say, we've seen this coming through in companies like McDonald's, which we recently covered in a full premium show as well. Alta offers everything from cheap brands through to prestige brands. So they are well hedged for changes in consumer spending. But still, you know, it's interesting to see that and what that might mean for other companies as well. As another point on Alta and how they just service customers, they are quite strong on omnichannel. So they use their store footprint to fulfill orders. And that's a theme we've seen coming through from so many companies that we've covered. 31% of e-commerce sales were fulfilled by store teams this quarter. So that's the benefit of having the store footprint. But what they really need to do to make it work and to keep driving demand in this post-pandemic world is they need to move their store-only shoppers into digital shoppers because their data suggests two and a half to three times more spend by omni-channel customers than single-channel customers. So in other words, if you're shopping only in the store, you are very likely to spend less than if you then go home, log on to the Alta Beauty website and order some more stuff, even if you fetch it in the store. Another interesting point, 55% of their e-commerce sales came through their mobile app. And here is a crazy stat to finish as a reminder of just how gigantic this company is. Alta Beauty has 41.7 million loyalty program members. Now that pretty much puts the Clicks Club card into perspective. I think we can all agree. Everything is just bigger in the US and Alta Beauty is really no exception. But Ma, I suppose we have to actually pick one each that we would own. I suppose over the long term is always safest. I must say I haven't looked at the technical levels on Alta and you would be better at doing that anyway. So I'd rather comment on the long term personally. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I've looked at Alta. For, for me, it's a, it's a little more generic. You know, yes, they do what they do really well, but, you know, what's the definitive edge? M my choice for long term as a business would be Lululemon. I think the brand is strong. It's really just a question around price. And that's because I like to look at companies that have a discernible edge, a discernible competitive advantage. Uh, Lululemon's brand, very similar to Nike, is what I think that competitive advantage is. And it's why I'd probably go with Lululemon over Alta just over 
over the longer term, over the shorter term, obviously look at the price action because you're not necessarily jumping into a stock at any specific given point in time. What about you, Ghost? I agree with you in terms of long term. I think Lululemon has got to be the one that's more interesting. I like brands. I mean, we both do. You've got to be careful about overpaying for them as people who bought Nike have learned the hard way. I mean, even if you overpaid for Lulu. So you've got to be a little bit patient, but sometimes you can wait for these things just literally forever. You know, that is the risk that you face. And especially I think on some of the more niche up and coming stuff, if it can just keep growing, that share price is not going to come down to the levels you want to see it at. So I'm reminded of some of the work we did around Crocs, you know, and how successfully that thing is growing basically worldwide, especially in Asia. I mean, you've touched on Asian demand there in Lululemon and how strong that is. But yeah, it's a brilliant company. They are, in my opinion, really, really well designed for the modern world of retail. They have these destination stores with a reason to go there, like the exact opposite of Foot Locker. And Ulta Beauty, they're kind of doing it with some of the services, etc. But yeah, it is a lot more generic. You know, you can imagine a lot of businesses that kind of sort of look like Ulta Beauty and Alta is going to suffer if the economy goes the wrong way. You know, its margins are sitting well above its historical averages. And that would make me a little bit worried. Whereas I can believe, you know, buying Lululemon and forgetting about it for the next 10 years, I would pick Lululemon on that sort of time frame. But what do you think? As our listeners, let us know. That's where we've got to leave the show this week, sticking with our shorter format. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod. One word. You can find Ghost and I on X as well. It's at Finance Ghost and at Mohammed Nalla. We'd love to hear your feedback also about how you're finding the new format on the show. And until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.